this is Stephanie Ortega, and you're listening to the Remix Movement Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's nice to see you again on the Remix Movement Podcast. If you are checking us out on our YouTube page, thank you so much for subscribing, for watching us, for seeing me on a weekly basis whenever I can. And if you're listening to us on our podcast streaming channels, which would be Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor FM, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And Louis says hello. <laughs> All right. So um, in our last episode, we went ahead and we finished our conversation with regards to Noah and the Ark. We discussed how long Noah and his family were in the boat which was much more than just the 40 days and 40 nights, and why Noah sent out a raven and a dove before he got out of the ark. So uh, Jesus, we went ahead and we talked about how, I'm sorry, not Jesus. Um, God went ahead and told Noah to go ahead and stay in the boat a little longer, all right? And we know that that was about one year, and that must have been crazy. But we went ahead and we talked about how sometimes God tells us to stay in the boat a little longer, to hold on, to not fast forward, to wait on his promises, to wait until his time comes. And just because he says to stay in the boat a little longer doesn't mean that your miracle is not going to happen. It doesn't mean that it's going to stop. He sometimes asks you to wait so that he can prepare you so that you can be ready and so that he can build your relationship with him. So with trust, faith and patience, you're able to enjoy the promises that God has for you. All right. So our last episode's challenge was to pray for God to give you more self-control and trust to wait on his promises. Now, I do want to mention this. I never wear these headphones, right? Never. I've never worn these headphones since I've been doing the video, but I've had to put them on because if you heard our last episode, my microphone kept going in and out and it was really weird. It was just really wrong. So I finally got it in the right position. I'm going to try not to touch it and you'll be able to hear everything. And I'm also hearing myself here. So if for any reason something happens, I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. I can't hear myself. But for now, everything seems to be going great, which is fantastic. All right. I'm going to try not to move too because I feel like I'm moving everywhere. Um, so yeah, so in this episode, this is something totally different. It has nothing to do with Noah and the Ark. We're moving forward. And if you saw, the title is actually a question. And it is, can the rich and wealthy get into heaven? Yes, we're going to tackle if it's possible for the rich and wealthy to get into heaven. People who have a lot of money, people who just have a lot, like people that are like millionaires and billionaires and people that just are amazingly prosperous. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna take everything from a story in the Bible that's called The Rich Man, and this is gonna be found in Matthew chapter 19, Verses 16 to 30. And I have my real Bible this time. Look at that. Ooh. Because I was reading the story today and I was like, oh, I want to go ahead and talk about it. And I was like, well, let me just read it from my physical Bible instead of the Bible that I have on my laptop like usual because it's just a lot of really good stuff. So I highlighted and I underlined. I took so many notes. 
So I'm going to be reading from my Bible, which is really good. So I suggest if you do not have a physical Bible, you buy yourself a Bible, one that you like, and just go ahead. When God speaks to you, circle, highlight, underline everything. Let God speak to you in the midst of what you're going through with your Bible, with your physical Bible. It is completely different. You don't have to worry about your battery dying at church because you have your physical Bible. You don't have to worry about the light bothering people if you decide to read the Bible and your phone is bright. Um, it's just, it's convenient, it's traditional, it's amazing. And you know what, this is God's word, you know? Like, why never I have this Bible? I've had this Bible since January 2nd, 2014. So Lewis, uh, well, no, not Lewis. I bought myself this Bible when I got engaged to Lewis, around the time I got engaged to Lewis. It was my New Year's gift to myself. And thank God, after six years, I still have it. So this is fantastic. <laughs> All right. I said 2014 or 2020? Let me see. Yeah, 2014. So yeah. All right. So Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 30, and it says, Someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. One is like capital O and that's God. All right. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, which means basically to go to heaven, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied, what else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Exclamation mark, which means he is not playing. I'm telling you the truth. All right. So verse 25, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the son of man, which is funny because he's the son of man, all right, sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses and brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important. And then those 
who seem least important now will be the greatest then. In other verses, it says, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. All right. So that's a lot to take in. So I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit, right? The young man they're referring to is a rich man. So he is young and wealthy. The Bible doesn't say how he got his riches, how he got his possessions. The Bible doesn't say how he did it. Maybe it was an inheritance from his family members. Maybe um, he just, he had a really good business and it was great for him. It doesn't say how he is. It just says he was young and he was rich, right? And when he asks Jesus this question, it sounds like he's asking it for himself right? So he's thinking of himself. He says, well, God, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And then he goes ahead and he says, when Jesus tells him, keep the commandments, if you notice, all the commandments that he talks about focus on relationships, all right? So he says, do not murder, murder other people. Do not commit adultery. Committing adultery is basically cheating on your spouse, or, you know, your husband or wife, your relationship. You must not steal, stealing from others. You must not testify falsely, say something bad about others, gossip or about others. Honor your father and mother. Those are relationships. And love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbors are your relationships. So all of this has to do with relationships. Why is that? It's because Jesus is trying to make the young man understand that he needs to get his eyes off of himself and he needs to focus more on others. He needs to think about other people. He needs to be selfless, okay? And we also need to do the same thing. We need to make sure that every day we're thinking about others and we're not thinking about ourselves. And this can be something that's really hard because we were born in sin and because we live in a world where a lot of us happen to think of ourselves. Here's an example. When you have a social media account, there's a ton of filters. What's the point of the filters? To change the way you look when you take a selfie. The selfie is usually a photo of yourself. The filters is to change the way you look. Everything is about you. Social media right now is most of the time about you, unless it has to do with birthdays or holidays or something that you went out or a party or something. If there's other people at a party, then you're probably going to take selfies of yourself because you look pretty or you look good. And then you also maybe take some photos of other people because they were there. But most of the time, we tend to think of ourselves. This is something, again, it just happens. It happens that even in the midst of this pandemic that we're going through, even in the midst of all the things that are happening with racial injustice, with economics, with the economy, with protecting ourselves, we really tend to think of ourselves. How are we dealing with the pandemic? How are we dealing with our finances? How are we dealing with, you know, not paying our rent? How are we dealing with not finding a job? How are we dealing with the emotional things that are going on? And it's not bad to think of yourself because you definitely should, but yourself, thinking of yourself only should not be the primary. Our relationship with God is so that we can be more like him. And obviously God is selfless. I mean, he gave his one and only son to die on the cross for you and me. He gave, meaning he thought of you. He thought you were more important. So he gave his most prized possession. It's the same thing goes here. In the scripture, Jesus is trying to tell the young man, 
hey, you need to you need to go ahead and keep my commandments. And they all have to do with relationships. But then after he goes ahead and he gives the answer, the young man says, "Okay, well, what else? Why wasn't the keeping your commandments enough for this man? I mean, I was just thinking about that. I was like, he already told you in order for you to be able to get into heaven, you have to be able to think of other people. So why even ask a second question? What else do I need to do? Well, there it goes. After he says, what else must I do? Because he says, I've obeyed all of your commandments. So now he's again, he's bringing the focus back to himself. I have obeyed everything you've said, but what else must I do? So Jesus goes ahead and he gives it straight to him, right? He says, if you, and this is from verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will receive, you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. So three things that he does, right? He tells this young man who's rich, he says, first, I want you to go ahead and sell all of your possessions. All of your possessions, strip everything that you have, your nice house, your fancy clothes, your library, your business, every single thing that you have that you possess, go ahead and sell it. The second thing he says is give your money to the poor. Now, it doesn't say give all your money to the poor. Just like it says, sell all your possessions. It says give the money to the poor. So that means, hey, Think of other people. Be generous with other people. Because I've already given you everything that you have material-wise, you can be able to give money to people in need. All right? So that's the second thing he tells them to do. And the third one he says, which I think is the most important, is after you've sold all your possessions, after you've given all your, the money to the poor, come and follow me. Three things. All of them have to do with generosity and selflessness and these are two things that we're going to really focus on in this story okay the rich man is told sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor obviously he's known for being rich which is why the title of this particular passage is the rich man which is probably why this is one of his biggest pain points what is it that you have that you possess that if someone were to tell you, get rid of it, give the money to someone else and follow me would be your pain point? What is it that you think that if they take away from you that you will, you'll not, you will not be able to survive? So here, obviously, the rich man is thinking, well, if I do all that, then I'm going to end up being poor. So... In the end of the day, the, the, we don't hear anything back from this person. He doesn't reply after. We, we are told that he hears what Jesus says and he turns away really sad. And he turns away because of what he had, which is really sad because when you think about it, God is always asking you to be generous and to be selfless, to establish relationships with people so that they can be the focus and not yourself. And to be able to grow the kingdom of God here on earth so that when you do get to the kingdom of God in heaven, that you will also be rewarded as well for the good work that you do here and for believing who he is. So that's it. We never hear anything else from this man. This man is so scared of being poor. 
he's he's fearful of not having a penny left to him, of not getting rid of the business. He's fearful of having a name. Maybe he was known by a name. Maybe he wasn't because here there's no name for this person. But he was so fearful of being poor and so full of himself that he was not able to obey who God, what Jesus told him to do. And then he goes ahead and after Jesus says this, to the man, and he sees the man walk away, he goes ahead and he addresses his disciples who have been following him, all right? And he tells his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And the reason why, again, is because he's selfish and because he's not generous. When you possess so much wealth and so much riches that at the end of the day, those are the things that control you, that put a handle on you, that, that you define yourself by that specific thing, then you have lost yourself as a believer because your identity comes from Christ. It doesn't come from your job. It doesn't come from what other people say. It doesn't come from how much money you have in the bank. It doesn't come from anything that you may possess. Your identity needs to come from God. Your relationship needs to be established so that you can be more like Christ, so that you can be generous and not just be generous around the holiday season when Thanksgiving comes and you think about the poor or when Christmas comes and you're like, let me give to others that are in need, but that you have this attitude of generosity and you have this attitude of selflessness every single day of your life. Okay, the key to being able to get into the kingdom of God is not just following Christ, not just believing who he is, but it's trying to be like Christ in every single thing. And that also means having the character of being selfless and being generous. Okay, and it's funny because after he says this, he goes ahead and he gives a really weird analogy, really weird analogy. And he says, I'll say it again. So he doesn't say it once, but he says it twice so that it's reiterated. And we talked about this in our last episode, how God will sometimes reiterate things by repeating himself so that you can understand this point that's being held across. And it says, verse 24, I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if we stop just there, the first thing you think of is like, okay, that's impossible. It is absolutely impossible for a camel with a hump, really big, with really tall legs, to go through a needle, a small little sewing needle, a little small needle with a little hole that even sometimes when I'm sewing, to get a little piece of string in through that needle, you have to like close one eye and focus and try to put it in. It's hard. But he says it's easier way easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to go to the kingdom of heaven. And this just shows how important this is to God. It's important to God that we understand this incredible analogy, this analogy that is just a comparison by no means comparable, but he compares them. And when the disciples are like, wow, I can't believe he said that. Then he goes ahead and he says, well, that's astounded. The disciples were astounded. They were surprised. So then they asked, well, then who in the world can be saved? And that's when Jesus replies, not only to the way they're thinking, but to this, this rich person that decided to leave. He says, 
Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. I'm going to repeat that again. Humanly speaking, humanly on this earth, in the flesh speaking, it is impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It is impossible for a rich man to get into heaven. All right. But with God, everything is possible. Everything. So humanly flesh, God, supernatural, the supernatural, the abilities that God have, the majesticness that God has, the creator of the world is able to give you the power to understand that if you believe in who God is and you follow who Jesus is and you try to be the character of Jesus Christ, then it is possible for you to be saved and go to heaven. All right. I believe with all my heart that if this young man who was rich obeyed what Jesus said, it would have been possible for him to get into heaven. It would have been possible and it would have been possible because he would have tapped into the supernatural power of who Jesus Christ is. He would have tapped into a spiritual mindset versus a fleshly mindset. Oh my God, there you go. There's the revelation. If the young man who had possessions, okay, was able to really take a step of faith and believe the words that Jesus said and sell all of his possessions and give to the poor and follow Jesus Christ, he would have made it into heaven. But because he was still thinking with his fleshly mind, with the thoughts of man, with what he thought he can do humanly on the earth, he allowed his selfish ambition, his selfish desire, his selfish attitude to go ahead and trample over the miracle, over the ability that he would have had where he could have been in the kingdom of God and he could have had 10 times more, a hundred times more than what he ever possessed. Oh my God, where's my hand clap? There it is. I finally got it. Woo. See, if, if Lewis was here, Lewis would be there and he would be able to like hand clap. But because I just got excited and I was just like, wow. So putting this into perspective, okay, here is the revelation. If you allow your spiritual mind and your thoughts of Christ to overcome your fleshly desires and the things that only you think you can do on earth, then everything is possible. If you allow God to go ahead and work in your life and have faith in who he is and be generous in your giving and be able to think of others, then you'll be able to receive a hundred times more than what you thought was humanly available to you here on earth. Because the truth of the matter is, is that when you have God in your life, all things are possible, all mindsets will be broken because you're tapping into the power of God. When you have Jesus Christ in your life and you work every single day in 
your relationship with him, when you pick up this Bible and you say, you know what, God, I'm going to put in my time. I'm going to read this word. I want to receive something new. When you take your devotional time and you give prayer to God and you say, God, I want to pray longer than five minutes today. I want to pray today for 30 minutes. I want to pray today for the people I haven't prayed for. I want to be able to move in praise and worship the way I have never done before. When you're able to work on your relationship with God and tap in into the Holy Spirit's power that was given by God, then you're able to see the revelations and receive the blessings that God has for you. And I'm doing a lot of hand gestures, but you know what? I am excited and I am sorry because my excitement cannot contain this because there's somebody listening or somebody watching who may be going through something in this time who may be thinking, I don't have enough for November 1st. I don't have enough for tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to be able to give strength to my family when I don't feel strength. I don't know how I'm supposed to show joy in my office when when I don't know if I'm going to have this job the next day. You may be going through something right now, but you need to tap into the character of Jesus Christ. You need to think of others. You need to be generous and you need to understand that God's power is enough for you to get through the week, for you to get through the month and for you to make sure that your ticket to heaven is already in your hands and you just need to work on your faith. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. That was really good. Woo. So now. We went ahead and we talked about the man. We went ahead and we talked about his response, okay? And now we're going to go ahead and we're going to continue this on because we can't stop there. Peter, the disciple, comes up and he has a question, all right? Peter is one of those disciples that he is fearless, all right? He is known for chopping people's ears off if you step up to the master. He is known for being bold. He's known for getting out of a boat in the middle of a a really crazy storm and walking on water. Peter is one of those bold people that you're just like, wow, like there's always one person in your family or in your friends that you're like, man, I wish I could be like them. Kind of like a Indiana Jones go-getter kind of person. That is Peter. So Peter is hearing what's going on with this young man. He's hearing what's going on with the fact that he didn't give his riches. He's hearing about how he was selfish. And then Peter goes ahead and he asks the question, well, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Again, Peter is put in the same selfish mindset, almost like the, the rich man was. He, he's thinking and comparing himself to the rich man, okay? And Jesus says, ha ha, I assure you that when the world is made anew and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He talks about himself in third person. And it's really weird because when you read that, you're like the son of man. They already knew that Jesus was the son of man. But he's basically saying, when my time comes and I die and rise again and I'm sitting on the throne next to my father, you will receive your reward. And he goes on to say in verse 29, Jesus says, and everyone who's given up their houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. 
What does that mean? That means they will be able to go into the kingdom of God, to go into heaven. You have to be able to be generous. Again, when he's saying give away your property, give away um, everyone is giving up their houses, he's also putting in their relationships. Giving up, not in the sense of like, oh, I give up, I'm not going to do it anymore. Giving up is more in this verse as a sacrifice. When you give up your house and you give up your possessions, when you surrender your family members, you surrender them into my hands, when you have the faith to be able to say, God, I surrender my family to you, do as you want with them. God, I'm going to continue to pray for them, but I want them to be in your hands. I'm going to present my family to you in prayer because I know that if I surrender my cast, if I cast my cares onto you, if I go ahead and say, Lord, here it is, then I'm able to submit to you, surrender to you, and still not be selfish, but think of them as well, okay? And it says you will be rewarded a hundred times more and even will inherit eternal life. And verse 30 is just like the cherry on top, right? But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem less important now will be the greatest then, so this is basically like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And when he says this, he's basically saying, I want you to understand that those that you may forget about, those that you you may not think about with your generosity, those are the ones you really have to focus on. Those are the ones that are not self-centered because they too need help. They too need assistance. Those are the ones that they may seem like they go unnoticed, but they may be humble and they may be in the right steps and they may be exactly what it is that they're supposed to be doing. They may just be um, in God's care. And the reason why they're last and looked down upon or forgotten in the fleshly doesn't mean that they're being looked down upon in the heavenly. How many times do we have people that when they are given a task, they do their job, but they don't do their job so they can get a reward. They do their job because they're diligent, because they know that they're required to do a good job and they allow their good work to to come up and to show for who they are. They don't need to have their names pumped up. They don't need to know the big people. They know that if they just sit there, do their job and do the best at it, that they will be noticed. That's the same thing here. The first will be last. The first, the people that are going to try to be first in line, that are going to try to get their names come out, that are going to try to be selfish, that are going to try to like set themselves apart and be like, oh, but I do this. Oh, but I do that. Oh, but hey, I follow the commandments. Oh, oh, wait, wait, I need to point out I do this. Then when they are acting that way, they're going to be put last in God's eyes because God doesn't care so much about what you got. He wants to work with people who are humble. He wants to work with people that are willing to say, I want to be the best that I can be in the time that I am now so that only God can elevate me. Woo! I want to be the best that I can be in the in the place and the time that I'm in now so that God will be the one to lift me up so that God will get the glory so that God will lift me up where I need to be so that God can be honored. Woo! the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Catch that in your spirit. <laughs> All right. Now, on the note of generosity and kind of 
climbing down from here. Generosity. Generosity is not just money. Generosity could be money. In this story, it was about wealth and it was about riches. But if you shift your perspective, it's not always about money. Generosity can also be time. Some people don't have time to talk to somebody and have a listening ear to just listen. Some, sometimes you may be asked to give advice. Generosity is giving something that people don't have. Some people don't have financial assistance and you may want to give them some money. Some people may not have hope and they, and they may just want a hug. Now, we're in COVID, so don't hug people that you don't know or hug people that you're not really living with because I can give Lewis a hug because he lives with me, but if I go to church, right now is not the best time to give a hug, but I just wanted to clear that out. But some people will need somebody that has gone through something to help them to get through it. That is generosity. When you are generous with someone, you're giving them something that they're in need of. And like I said, they may need a bed. They may need a money. They may need a hot meal. Some people may just be eating sandwiches right now because they don't have the time or the money to go out and have a hot meal. Some people may just need some coffee and, and a time to relax. Some people may need just a, a, a time to sit down and, and just sip on some tea and talk with somebody. And somebody may need prayer. And I'll tell you this, if nobody's willing to tell you what they need, really allow God to speak to you so that he can get you to the right person so that you can give what they're asking for. Because again, some people may not tell you boldly, hey, I need prayer for a family member who's going through a hard time and I can't see them. It's always best if you show your generosity and you go head first. And what does that mean? Send them a text. Hey, I'm praying. I want to know, do you have a petition? Or, you know, give them a call. Hey, I'm, I just happen to be in your neighborhood. Do you want to go out for coffee? Or, hey, I, I saw that you are, are struggling with work and, and it's been crazy. Do you, do you want to just like talk about it? I mean, some people are, are just looking for some time and some hope. And some people just, you ask them how they're doing and they don't want to tell you how they're doing. They just say good. But you need to break that ice and you need to be a little bit more generous with your time because it's more than just asking how you're doing. It's, hey, how are you doing and how are you feeling? What's going on that's different? What, what can I do to help you? How can I pray for you? Ask them questions that will open up the conversation so that they can see how generous you are with your attitude and, and with your humbleness and with your selfishness. That's exactly what it is. You're, being, you're not thinking of yourself when you open your hands to other people. You're not thinking of yourself when you're willing to lift them up. You're not thinking of yourself when you offer them prayer. You're thinking of others, and that's the character of Jesus Christ. So I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. Um, the episode challenge is give to someone that you know something that they may need this week. And we did give you a couple examples, you know, give them prayer, give them time, give them money, give them advice, give them love, give them an ear to listen to. But definitely give something that you have a lot of. If you have a lot of time on your hands right now because of the pandemic, like, Take advantage of that and seek out people 
seek out people that you haven't spoken to seek out people that you know may have lost their jobs i can tell you i have a couple friends that they they didn't lose their jobs and they worked at the job that i have and as much as i'm grateful that i'm still working there i'm also grateful for them and i'm always checking up on them and i send them a text and i send them a message and i call them and i'm like hey how's the job search going is there anything i can do to help you and you know one of them was like yeah i would love a letter of recommendation because i did work with her and and i know how her skills are and i was more than happy to go ahead and give that and that may be something that just could help her in finding her next job so yes that is the episode challenge give to someone you know something that you have a lot of but do it intentionally and be the character of god allow god to use you through your generosity and your selflessness thank you again for listening to episode 79 is this 79 let me see yes 79 (laughs) thank you for listening to episode 79 and i hope you have a wonderful rest of the week bye if you enjoyed listening to this podcast follow us on facebook and instagram at the remix movement for more updates send us a dm with your feedback questions and any topics that you would like to hear in any of our future episodes thank you and god bless